Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 95 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here along with Kurt Mortensen. It is a beautiful, hot summer day. And uh, Kurt, what do you got going? Do you take the boat out this week? I'm scheduled for this afternoon, actually. Going to take the family out. Just got back from Zion's National Park at a family reunion, and it actually turned out pretty good. You never know with those family reunions. It could be a good thing. <laughs> it could be a strange thing. It could be a hostile thing, but it turned out really well. Everyone got along. Kids were great. So I'm just back from a little R&R and getting ready for some lake therapy. Successful family reunion. It's got to happen at least once in your life. Uh, once a decade's about right. Once a decade. <laughs> it, it seems to me like there's this rule of the universe that if somebody is going to screw up the family reunion, which usually they are, it's going to be a, an uncle or a sister-in-law. What do you think about my rule? <laughs> Uncle or sister-in-law. I can see a lot of truth to that. <laughs> I would put more money on a sister-in-law, but I'd get in trouble for that, so I just won't say anything. Yeah, we don't know which one it's, but it just seems like that's what usually happens. And there's probably people listening, you know, maybe I've got nephews listening. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe the, the formula is the in-law versus the other part of the family, I guess I'll put it. That's where the conflict happens, and that's where the escalation seems to start. Yes, Yes. <laughs> a little formula there, but anyway. Well, pretty in trouble for that one. Now we've offended all the family. Oh, yeah. That was the one we probably shouldn't have done. Uh, sorry, <laughs> uncles and sister-in-laws. About We're talking about other families. Yeah, not this is not ours. I mean, this is just in general. Come on. This is other family. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Based on research. And, and <laughs> this, this whole research, I mean, it's not any research. It's just, I, it kind of came out of my mouth two minutes ago. Yeah. That was coming out of your mouth without a filter, so you had to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm I'm headed off tomorrow night to Puerto Rico for a week. And love Puerto Rico. Good food, fun people, nice beaches. I I can't see a downside. I've been looking, can't find it. The only downside is I'm having a really hard time focusing today. Well, that will be, and then depending on how much poundage you put on, there might be a little more exercise you get back, but I'll tell you what, it's worth it. I was telling somebody before we started recording today, yeah, I'm going to Puerto Rico. Oh, well, when you get back, can we work it? I'm like, oh, 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 hang on. When I get back, (laughs) what do you got to go harsh and everything for? I'm not coming back. There's no back. (laughs) Don't. Don't pour a bucket on it, man. You're there. You're going. You don't want to think about the back part. You just go. Yeah, and I know I'm coming. I get it, but I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good. So we're uh, we're recording today, and we'll release this episode hopefully before I uh, hit the road for Puerto Rico. And we've got good stuff as usual for you today. Those of you who want to be better persuaders or negotiators, or maybe you're just you're just listening to hear who we accidentally offend, which we offended uncles and, and sister-in-laws today. And I think just about everybody would, would agree with that one. I, I was going through, and we're going to talk about this later in the show today. We have something here called the Parade of Homes. It's where big home builders show off their work and the masses get to go through these houses and uh, critique everything. And there was one that had a little apartment in the basement. And we were just, my wife and I were joking and a few people joined in on this about how we, you know, they call those the mother-in-law apartment. 
you know, if your mother-in-law is going to live with you, you just got to cram her down in the corner away from everything. It's just they didn't pick any other member of the family. It's not the father-in-law. It's (laughs) It's not not good verbal packaging. Only the mother-in-law can fit in the small closet. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It's never your mother. Oh, no, it's the mother-in-law. Yeah. (laughs) So there you have it. We've got uh, a geeky article moment coming up from Kurt. He has uh, been very jealous for the last few weeks because I have hijacked it due to my love for for the Urkel sound. But he still has to do it. Kurt, cue up the Urkel. All right, Urkel, go. Go. With enthusiasm. (laughs) That was my enthusiastic, passionate, charismatic go. Yeah. (laughs) One of these days I'm going to make you do the laugh and snort like Steve Urkel. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> you have to pay big bucks for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to go? I want you to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go. I'll have to the Urkel. So as I was perusing the personality and social psychology bulletin, everyone's favorite, there is an article done at New York University that's always interesting because we talk a lot about trust and facial expressions and, and subconscious triggers. And so this one really caught my eye. They say to look trustworthy, you have to put on a happy face. So... We know there's a correlation between mood and happiness persuasion, so they are actually putting it together with trustworthiness. They say we can alter our facial features to make us look more trustworthy, but not more competent. So the study points to the limits of the potential we have in visually representing ourselves in situations, and they looked at dating, career, networking, social media posts. So the findings show that facial cues conveying trustworthiness are more malleable, while facial cues conveying competence and ability are... Not so much, which I thought was really interesting. So the results suggest you could influence to the extent how trustworthy others perceive you in a facial photo. You know, there's Photoshop and a few other things. But your perceptions of competence or ability are considerably less able to be changed. So they looked at muscles and bones. They looked at happy and angry expressions as far as their experiments are concerned. So it looks like that trustworthiness are based on the face's dynamic musculature, as they called it, that could be slightly altered with a neutral face resembling a happy expression, likely to be seen trustworthy, and equally a neutral face resembling an angry expression is more likely to be seen as untrustworthy. So we kind of know that, but it's interesting how they drew the line as far as competence, your face wasn't as malleable versus trustworthy was more. So I'm thinking the happiness, the happy face, the more animation, you're getting in your face. The more your facial muscles move, the more trustworthy it gets. But then they're saying competent was more of the face that doesn't move as much, less facial expressions, probably more the analytical type, the more driver type where you really can't read their facial expressions as much. They are saying that is more competent. Well, that's a super nerdy article. <laughs> it really is. So they did a couple different experiments, but that's kind of the bottom line that facial expressions are everything. And part of that, too, is going to be based on culture. Part of that's going to be based on your personality. But the biggest thing that we can all take away from this, if we want to be more trustworthy, if we look happy and we're using our facial expressions, people, from my point of view, tend to think that they can read you a little better. They're more open. You're more trustworthy. Because a lot of times in negotiation persuasion, when people have the poker face on, they're not showing any expressions. They're not giving you anything. They're not giving you a smile or anything. They just get that kind of indifferent look. That really hurts trustworthiness because people feel like there's a, a wall there. They can't read you. There's not a connection. And But when you're smiling and there's more expression, people feel more comfortable with that, and it does increase your trustworthiness. Not necessarily competence. doesn't hurt competence, 
but more on the trustworthy side. When I hear you say that, I think of a a source that just has limitless credibility, and, and that is Dwight Schrute from the TV series The Office. <laughs> who Dr. Schrute is Dr. Schrute. Uh, yeah, yeah. He would have you believe <laughs> okay. so. Just check. And he, uh, he once profoundly said that uh, smiling is a sign of weakness in primates. So whenever somebody <laughs> s- smiles at me, I just see a chimpanzee begging for its life. Can we smile too much or we look too happy-go-lucky? And Because you do want, I mean, you want some perceived competence, right? Is Can you just be too goofy and too smiley and then uh, go into Dwight Schrute territory there? I'm sure you can cross that line. You know, and then that's going to be based on culture and personality, too. We've all seen those people smiling way too much. They think something's up and they're out to get us or something's going on. But a quick, sincere smile in an encounter would be helpful, even over the phone. Smiling's been proven to increase the connection. So I would probably err as far as having the smile versus being too concerned of not having the smile because trustworthiness is a huge key to get that initial trust. You can show competence later. You can build that up. I'd rather start with trust than build competence than the opposite. And then probably you just uh, gradually go into the mirror and match from that point. You establish the trust. You smile. And then you got to go with the mood, right? Exactly. Beer and match, peg their personality, adapt your persuasive presentation to them, but at least you have that initial trustworthiness, which is huge, because if you don't have any trustworthiness, it doesn't matter what else you do, you don't have the trust. Yeah, okay. Well, why don't we get into uh, the the main core of the show today, and yesterday was Father's Day. I, I made the terrible mistake of going to a outdoorsy store, well, Cabela's, it's called, it's a big outdoor outfitter type thing, hunting gear, fishing gear, camping stuff. I went there the day before Father's Day, and it was like a refugee camp in that place. Okay, it's just (laughs) a a bajillion people in there. Anytime there's some kind of a day like Father's Day or Memorial Day or the 4th of July, you can't help but seeing all the cheesy advertising of all the specials and come in and we've got the best deals for X holiday and whatever you're trying to accomplish. And this inevitably means that some people are going to make some high-end purchases and they're going to be negotiating. They're going to be dealing with car salesmen and boat salesmen and vacation property salesmen, whatever it is. And that always means that we've got some dirty deeds of negotiation, which as you and I and our audience all knows, they're done dirt cheap, aren't they? (laughs) You had to say that. I had to say that. itching to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Can you get... The song, I mean, we might get sued by ACDC, but can you fade in Dirty Deeds when we when oh, we publish we'll the show? Check on that one, yeah. We might have to do that. Just, just have ever, all our listeners just hum that in your head. I think, I think it's worth getting the letter of demand saying, we demand that, you, I mean, it's just got to be worth it. Take down that show. You don't have licensing rights. Well, if they call us personally, it'd be worth it, right? Yeah. It'd be like, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> mega tangent, mega tangent alert. But uh, all right, there we go. We've got some dirty deeds to go over. Have at it, Kurt. What do you think? What's what's happening now? We got new ones. We got other ones that are just happening over and over again. I'd say all of the above with the dirty deed. Of course, listeners, we don't teach you these so you can use those, and some aren't that dirty. You just have to be aware of they're out there. People are going to use them. They still teach them. They're out there and. Negotiations is huge. So a lot of times a persuasive encounter will turn to negotiation. The difference in my mind is persuasion, you're bringing someone to your point of view. Negotiation tends to be more of a give-take, give-take. 
and you meet somewhere in the middle. And, and a lot of the cultures out there in the world think, especially those in America, aren't very good negotiators because they never negotiate. They look at the price and they pay it. Everywhere else in the world, I'll wait, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. You go back, go back and forth, back and forth. And we got to be careful when we talk about these things that you understand that they're being taught. Just don't let them get you. I mean, the biggest one, which I guess would be that dirty, is the good old flint. How much? What? Are you kidding me? That's highway robbery. They fall off their seat. They're scratching their head. <laughs> and that's such a simple one. And if you're not prepared for that, if you've never seen that before, that could really throw you off your game. And you have to be able to handle that. You either have to ignore it or say, well, what were you expecting to invest and be in control with something like that? Because they'll always teach any trained negotiator at the end of a negotiation, everything's good, the numbers are good. They will say, I guarantee it, if they're trained right, they will say, they'll look you right in the eye and say, is that the best you can do? <laughs> so if you're not ready for that, if you're not ready for the flinch, then all of a sudden you might panic and start self-negotiating with yourself when they were happy with the number, you have to know your numbers and say, that's the best I can do and get down to business. Okay. Yeah. Hold your ground. People are expecting that kind of formality, right? They do. Hold your ground. They're expecting. They're trained to get the best thing they can do. They're trained to back you into corner, what I call the press, where they're going to say, you're going to have to do better than that. You're going to have to give me a $10 a unit or no deal. You have five minutes to decide, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, this is right out of the chute, very aggressive, very old school, but it's still being taught. And maintain emotional control. Don't let it get to you. It's like almost having a heckler when you're public speaking. So you have to do better than that. You just kind of say, well, great. How much more do you need? Or what is your basis for saying that? Mm -hmm. In control, you ask a question that's not getting to you. That's the biggest lesson with the dirty deeds is that they are almost teasing you a little bit. They are going to back you in a corner. They're going to take what they want to take. To this type of person, the results are more important than the relationship. Now, a lot mm -hmm. of people you negotiate, it's all about the relationship first and getting to know each other long term. Some people, no, this is my business. This is what I do. This is what I get paid to do. This is why I work for XYZ Company. My job is results, nothing else. It doesn't matter if you start crying, okay? Yeah. My job is results. And to an amiable type personality, that really takes them back because they want the relationship. They want to get to know the person. This person, boom. Hey, you're going to have to do better than that. What's your, what's your final number? <laughs> you have to just kind of say, whoa, whoa, this is a negotiation. Let me tell you how it works. I go, then you go, <laughs> and just use a little humor. Let them know it's not getting to you because they are looking to strike that emotional cord, get you emotional, get that blood to drain out of your brain so you're not thinking clearly, mm -hmm. yeah. and then they go for the jugular. They want that fight or flight. You get the fear, and you do something stupid, and you wake up three days later, what did I just agree to, right? Exactly. <laughs> I have one going right now. I, part of my business that I haven't talked about a lot on the show is uh, some uh, private lending that I do with a business partner of mine, and we're thinking about uh, doing a partnership with a guy, and I'll, I'll keep the city anonymous. He's in another city. And uh, maybe some fun hints. They may or may not have good pizza there. Right? That's, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. That's all say. All right. So the funny thing is, is this guy that we're negotiating with, you can tell. I, at first, I thought, did we make this guy mad? But you can tell somebody taught him that you can't agree to anything that the other party brings to the table, no matter how much sense it makes. Right? You have to fight. There has to be ground given and ground taken because we made a proposal to him that it was funny 
we, we listened out to his concerns. What does he want? We talked about it and we put a proposal to him that if you were to look at this with pure logic, you would say it gives him everything he wants. Because we just wanted to get the deal done and move forward. We made this proposal to him. And he, well, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not going to do that. I've got other options. You guys aren't the only people I'm talking to. Oh, sorry. Right. And uh, then he comes back and he proposes almost identically what we just proposed to him, but it's just said differently. Mm-hmm. And I text my partner during the call. I'm like, you know, call it whatever you want. <laughs> okay. We don't care what it's called. It, it, the numbers are what they are. And uh, we, we ended up discussing this with him over a variety. And he would never agree to anything. Even if, it's, even if it's something that he just told us that he wanted, he would never take it. He would always counter it. And it's, I think somebody must have taught him that you've got to fight. You've got to have uh, opposition here. You've got to have a knockdown, drag out negotiation. And there, there are many people that teach that that's part of it, that that's healthy. And I think that that's probably true to a degree. But uh, we've got it figured out now, right? So we always just go way above because we know he's going to come back at us anyway, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. that's what he was taught to do. And that's a huge thing in negotiation to where a lot of people say, I don't want to play the game. I don't want to go back and forth. Here's my number. You will get hammered. If people are coming to play the game, you got to play the game. And this guy is wanting to play the game. He's not degree to anything. He probably has that poker face on. And that's the type of person you have to put things in there to get them upset, to get them to fight about, to get mad at so you take them out. They're there to play the game. you got to play the game. And to some people, like, no, I don't want to do that. Well, sometimes you do. You want to win this game of business. There are people out there at negotiation. They're coming to play, and you've got to play. You can't sit down on the Monopoly board and say, okay, we all win. No, they came to play, and you've got to play the game. That's right. That's right. We have got another piece of this negotiation happening right now where there's another guy involved that we have to pay a fee to, and we've been negotiating that fee. And I know earlier on this podcast, we've talked a lot about how you don't necessarily lose if you're the first person to mention a number. Right. Because old school negotiators say you can't give up a number. You can't do that. Right. And that just leads to a really awkward game of poker. Right. People not wanting to give up the number. It just gets really awkward. And you both know what the other guy's doing. And the funny thing was, is this guy, he did it right. He suggested a fee and said, and I'm basing that based on this XYZ industry standard. And I found myself talking about it with my partner going, well, he suggested this. And my partner saying, I don't know, is there any validity to that? And I said, oh, there's some, but it's also not valid for this reason, that reason, and the other. But guess what happened, Kurt, is we found ourselves coming up because he set the parameters. He dictated where this argument or where this negotiation was going to happen, even though much of the number he suggested was not valid. But we've got to play his game. He set the rule. He decided where this debate was going to happen. And now we're playing his game, right? Kicked our butt. And that's great. That's a great point. Sometimes it it pays to go first. It opens up the other side. You get to decide the starting point. You just have to be careful a lot of times when you're coming out with that super high or super low number that it doesn't get into the insult zone where it's just way out of the park. And like you mentioned, he compared it to something. I mean, people can say, well, based on this formula or industry standard is, or based on my calculations, at least show the person that you've done the numbers that you haven't pulled the number out of the air. And here's an interesting one. When it's an odd number, that is actually more persuasive in a negotiation because if you use a round number like 100,000, then it looks like you pulled it out of the air. 
put an odd number in there, make it look like you've done some research, make it look like you haven't pulled it out of the air, then you don't get into the insult zone and it makes a big difference in getting them to open up and getting some numbers out of them. Yeah, you say make it look like um, you did the research or better yet, do it, right? Because that's <laughs> There you go. Yeah. That's what I meant. Do the research, but <laughs> don't round it around, round the number up or down. Make it look like an odd number. It is more persuasive. Yeah, because he knew when he made that proposal, he knew that I knew about that number and that there there is some legitimacy to it. But there are many reasons why it shouldn't apply at its face in this scenario. But I got to deal with it. It's there. And uh, that's why it wasn't a ridiculous number out of the sky. I wouldn't have had trouble carving it up, but it's it's there's some validity to it. So uh, he, he did a good job. He's going to get paid and uh, he's going to get he's going to make some money on this one. We're not going to give him that full number because we've got some other numbers that we can justify coming lower. And this is probably going to be a meet in the middle scenario that makes everybody happy. So what other uh, what other dirty deeds are happening this summer that you're seeing more and more of that we should watch out for. I think there's an alarming trend in just bottom line shocking behavior where you see temper arguments, tantrums, pouting, insults, finger pointing, where people get them let themselves get emotionally out of control and it's just a downward spiral from there. I think we mentioned this story before, and you know the person we won't name names were these two very wealthy real estate developers, actually, and they were going back and forth, and they were negotiating, and there were some insults, there was some pouting, there were some tempers, a few other things, and things got so out of control, one of the persons said, these are adults, these are older adults, well, I make more money than you, I have more money than you, just right out of the blue, like, really? Well, my dad can beat up your dad. Yeah. <laughs> And so I think there's a a huge trend in lack of emotional intelligence, both in reading other people's emotions and handling your own emotions to where you get a lot of more anger, a lot more shocking behavior. Now, we see that that's not necessarily a dirty deed, but some people do use it where they'll get angry, they'll yell at you, and they'll back you into a corner, and they'll use that shocking behavior to take control of the conversation, to make you take a step back, to wonder what's going on. Because when someone's unpredictable about like that, a lot of times it gives them power, and some people just kind of back down, not sure what to do. Where did that come from? Is that my fault? Did I do something wrong? And emotionally, it changes the direction of the negotiation. Well, I, ha- I have a, a son who's almost 18 months old, and he wants to do anything but sit in church on Sunday. <laughs> he, he becomes an atheist. And, you know, if that's your belief, that's your belief. But, you know, he's an atheist in church, right? (laughs) So he doesn't want to be there. (laughs) And the problem is with this this power struggle, this negotiation that we have, is that he has no shame. And he's not afraid to make things awkward. And he knows that I'll give. So he tries to go barreling down the aisle, you know, raise all kinds of ruckus. And if I try to get him and make him come back, what's he going to do? He's going to flop on the floor, have a huge fit, start screaming. And he knows, what does that make me have to do? Because I have shame. I got to take him out, which is what he wanted in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right? These, these uh, young, young kids are cold-blooded sharks. They are <laughs> just stone-cold negotiators. And that worked for them. And many of these people that you deal with in the business world were my son when they were 18 months old. Only guess what? They kept using that techniques and their parents never, never gave. They always had the shame. They gave in, they gave in, they gave in. And maybe these people had really aggressive personalities and then it worked in business. And now that's just how they get everything that they want. 
And like you're saying, the only way that you're going to be able to combat that dirty deed is you've got to cash in your shame, right? You can't be afraid of the awkwardness that they're going to they're going to kick up and that they're going to do because they're literally an 18 month old in a 45 year old's body, (laughs) right? Dealing with a much more complex problem, but using those primitive negotiation techniques that they learned when they were little to get their parents to do whatever it is they wanted them to do. That's exactly right. I see that a lot of times that's worked in the past, right? We've talked about the blind pig finding food. It's worked a couple of times. They keep using it and using it and using it. It has diminishing returns. The person will never negotiate with them again. It might work every once in a while, but it's not the best use of your time to negotiate because if you want long-term success, you want to maintain your integrity. There are so many other better ways to negotiate. Yep. Yep. And yeah, make it fun. You know, they're they're yelling, screaming, they're having a tantrum, or they're they're doing their thing. And you know, you, there's nothing wrong with looking them right in the face. Hey, you know what? Uh, getting emotional might work with other people, but it's not going to work with me. When you're ready to really talk about this, right? Let me know. I said that to my four year old daughter the other day. You know, you got to combat you know infantile tactics with infantile tactics. <laughs> it's right when you're ready to talk, or hey, do we need a few seconds to let you calm down, or? Those are things they don't want to hear, but it shows the thing that you're not bothered by it. It's not getting to you, and they're going to have to change the way they negotiate. Yeah, and hey, you know, you might be afraid of any any repercussions that come from that, but really, do you want to do business with that person without setting up the boundaries? I mean, if you concede to that, you're in for a whole lot of more of that, whether it's mm-hmm. a vendor, whether it's a customer, if you've got any kind of ongoing relationship with them. You know, get ready. You know, they're going to be like a little kid who was all of a sudden very happy when they got the candy bar that they extorted out of their parent in the line at the grocery store, right? They're happy and they're all, they're your friend, but next time they want something again and it's inconvenient for you and you resist a little, you resist a little bit, fall on the floor, arch the back, cry, stomp, scream in a 45 year old's body. <laughs> very unpleasant. And when someone pulls a dirty deed like that, you got to do a gut check and say, okay, do I really want to do business with this person? Do I really need to do this? And maybe you do, maybe you don't. Is this a long-term thing? It's just, just today's our last time we'll ever see each other, which you might think, but that doesn't necessarily happen. You got to decide what you want to do when that happens. Yep. Yes, sir. Anything else you want to add on dirty deeds? Another one we've been seeing on a lot is the add-on, which is quite interesting because you're emotionally involved and you're negotiating. Finally, you've come to an agreement. You're like, phew, right? You've done it. You've sold the house. You've made your sale, whatever it is. You've done it. And then all the final paperwork's getting on, and then they say something like, you did say that was included, didn't you? And you're like, we've never even talked about that. They'll say, yeah, you mentioned the insurance was included. Well, I understand that the piano comes with the house. Right? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We we never even talked about it. This is so dirty. It's deceitful. You got to be careful because you've let your guard down and they know it. You're like, I made it. I've done it. Woo, woo, right? You're doing your little scream. You dance inside, whatever it is. And they say, well, right. You did say 3%, didn't you? Yeah. You're like, yeah. No, I don't think I did. No, I didn't. Right? No, yeah, I remember. I wrote it down here. And you're like, whoa. So when that happens, you got to be careful. You have to say, well, no, I didn't say that. But if you'd like that, we could go back to the beginning and restart and start the negotiation again. No, I'm sorry you misunderstood. Or, well, the, the price I offered for this home or for whatever it is includes this, 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 and this. And just don't let it get to you because that's a dirty deed. They're just working your emotions because mentally you've 
you've made the deal, you need to relax a little bit. And then when they add another thing, you don't want to go through the whole process again. They do that on purpose. So I agree with you. It's a very, it's a, a dirty deed. It's a filthy deed. Maybe we need a whole new uh, category. <laughs> this happens in my business a lot. People really do imagine things in their head. They have imaginary conversations. A lot of times people hear what they want to hear. I'm sure you've noticed that. And so they really think that you said that. And you saying I didn't, they could perceive that you're being dishonest. You could perceive that they're being dishonest. If you if a persuader suspects that there is a genuine miscommunication, whether the persuader may have accidentally hinted that feature X is included, or you've just got an idiot who likes okay. to imagine things in their head... No, you've offended the idiots. Yeah, okay, well, go ahead. like we said, they don't even know. They don't All even right. know to be offended. So they, <laughs> I mean, talk about free, fair game. That's okay. right. Take that, idiots. You know what the funny thing is, is everyone's going, well, that's not me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Classic denial. That's great. The idiots don't know that they are, so we can just rail on them. So how do you deal with that when there could be a person thinking they heard something or there's a, an innocent miscommunication here. It's in the ninth hour, uh, the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> I meant to say 11th hour. Then I wanted to go to ninth inning. You get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you do so, there? Well, if you've seen a trend of dirty deeds, you know, it's probably dirty, right? And you know how to deal with that. But if you're not sure if they're being clueless, if they're being sincere, what I would do, and I works very well, and this is important for everyone that's negotiating or persuading, you, you've taken great notes. You say, well, I don't remember bringing that. Let me check my notes here real fast. And I'm like, you know, I can't find it. I remember talking about it, bringing that up. Do you have that down in your notes? Did you write that down anywhere? Might be a way to kind of bring it out and say, well, mm-hmm. maybe we didn't talk about it. And so you're not slamming them right out of the chute. You're looking for it. You haven't found it. They can't find it. Then you can say, do we need to renegotiate that or we do we have a deal? Yeah. What, when did I say that? What were we talking about? It, right? Yeah. Just you've got to really get them thinking about it and talking about it. I think, too, a lot of times they're going to go, oh, well, you said oh, maybe you didn't say that. Right. I think if somebody genuinely did have a miscommunication and you make them start thinking it through, a lot of times they realize, oh, you know what? He didn't say that. He never promised that. Yeah, the key factor is time. You didn't shut them down right away. You're like, let me look. Let me see. I'm not sure. Do you remember when I said that or how did I say that? Give them a little time to realize, oh, maybe they didn't say that. Just yeah. Maybe I just thought they did. But if you shut them down right away, that's where you can get a lot more aggression and anger. It's not something you want right there at the very end. Cool. Well, why don't we queue up the Homer? Homer, go. Don't, don't, don't. All right. This is a blunder. Happened to myself and my wife. Made me feel like I needed to take a shower. This was on Thursday of last week. I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. We went to something called the Parade of Homes. I know that exists in most markets where the the developers and the builders all showcase these uh, these homes that they've built. Everybody puts their their best foot forward to hopefully get people to build homes with them. So we went through this house. It's not too far from where we live going through it and we're, we're in the basement kind of looking out the back window it overlooked the valley beautiful view uh, there, there were some things that we liked about the house because we were we we're getting some ideas for this perpetual remodel that we're in the middle of that just won't die it just will not go away because it's gone from the kitchen to the family rooms to the bathrooms it's yeah. it's just like a cancer going through the house so we're sitting there talking about, oh, I kind of liked this. And 
And my wife said, well, what do you think about X? And all of a sudden, this squirrely guy comes up from behind us, between us, and puts his arm on my arm and on my wife's arm. He goes, and he looks at me and he goes, you know what she's really thinking? (laughs) Is how can I get one of these? And he just gestures to the house. And I think my eyes must have done like a 360. They rolled back so far. They did a full rotation. And we both managed out. and turned orange because of the cheese factor is probably what happened. Oh, man. Yeah, we both forced out a very awkward, (laughs) right? Just a terrible (laughs) laugh. And then he he walks off thinking, you know, he's Mr. Closer. And we're we're leaving the house going, you need to take a shower? Because I do. That was nasty. That was just greasy, greasy, (laughs) terrible blunder. Ah, yeah, I just think about that. Like, really? Like, really? Did that just happen? Oh, yuck. Like, does it ever work for them? It's like the (laughs) construction workers that whistle at the women walking by. Has that ever worked for you? Yeah. (laughs) Has anybody ever come up and say, yeah, I want to go out with you. You've got a good whistle. It's like, has that ever worked? (laughs) Yeah, right. In the history of mankind. And and, and, it had to work somewhere because they're doing it. They learned it from somewhere. But it's like, has that ever worked for you? Yeah, major cheese ball factor. The cheese ball award goes to this guy because he's like, come on, really? Oh, it was so bad. Everyone's feel like taking a shower. Not with them, but because of them, then you know, definite cheese ball. Yeah, the, the physical contact, the way he said it, interrupting the conversation. Oh, gross. Was there like a big gold chain and a hairy chest and a silk shirt involved? Oh, yeah, I thought he was going to make like the pistol sign with his hands and go, hey, yeah, you want to buy a house? You know, just... Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey. hey, partner. <laughs> yeah, super gross. So that's a good blunder. We're going to go ahead and wrap up the show, but I do have a couple of announcements. Oh, we like announcements. Yes, we like announcements. So in our never-ending quest to become legit, for maximize your influence, we actually are now on Facebook and Twitter. Woohoo! Uh, it's what all the cool kids are doing. It's what people are telling us that we need to do in order to become legit. And we really don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> We're just following the crowd in this one, just pure social. Uh, yeah, knowledge. yeah. Everybody seems to, like I said, all the cool kids are doing it. So we do have a Maximize Your Influence Facebook page and a Twitter account where we'll be announcing shows, we'll be posting articles, we'll be posting terrible pictures, terrible blunders, and things like that so you can stay in touch with us and uh, all the interesting and phenomenal things that we're always doing here on the show. So I'm going to put a link up to that on the blog. I mean, this, see, this is terrible. We don't even really know how to tell them where to go <laughs> to get this stuff. We're figuring it out, but it's going to be up on the blog. I'll link to it. You can certainly Google or, or type in your Facebook search bar, uh, maximize your influence. And the Twitter account is at max influence, max influence. So we will, uh, we'll get that up for you so you can follow and be alerted to the shows and, and all the cool stuff that we're up to in our never ending quest to become legit. I like it now. Wow, legit. I don't know if we can deal with that. Maybe even before the 100th episode will be legit. I don't know if our listeners can handle that one. Yeah, it, it might take us 100 episodes. We to might get lose that. credibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> our illegitimate show is what gives us credibility. Is that what you're there saying? That's what I'm saying, yes. Yeah, that's street cred or something. Something there. Something. I don't know. This is going downhill fast. We should probably end it, right? All right, let's end it. Okay, everybody, thanks a lot. We'll catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. I'm going to Puerto Rico. Have a nice week.
All right. Take care. Have fun. And we'll see you next week.